This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Red Panda Report. I am talking about and analyzing Red Panda Adventures number 9, uh, which was originally aired on April 29, 2006, written and directed by Greg Taylor, and here is the copy. An ancient killer stalks the city through shadows and fog. Each night brings new terrors, new victims. With each new dawn, there are more questions, more outrage, and the lingering dread of the darkness to come. Who dares to hunt the hunter? To bring the light of justice to a metropolis under siege? The city cries out for its champions, but can even the terrific twosome of Toronto, the Red Panda, and the Flying Squirrel withstand the fury of the Shadow Hunter? So, I thought it was a little strange that, and by the way, of course, I will go into full spoilers for this, so if you're not prepared for that, then go ahead and uh, stop over at dakotaringtheater.com to listen to this episode. It's very easy to find. It's from season one of Red Panda Adventures, which, like I said, is very easy to find. So, uh, I didn't like that the professor's notes, which were ostensibly being read silently or to themselves by Kit and Red Panda were spoken in his voice with background music. So I liked the professor reading them because I think the voice actor did a good job and he's, he's in the beginning of the episode, but then he's uh, indisposed and unable to talk. So they go through his notes and they have, uh, you know, Taylor had it set up so that the guy who did the voice for the professor went ahead and read the notes in his voice and with his cadence and all that stuff, which I think was really good. And I thought it sounded nice, but there was a kind of haunting um, or like creepy, spooky background music uh, aspect to it. And it just didn't really sit right with me. I, I didn't think it was necessary. I thought it was good enough on its own, the performance. It didn't need that kind of, I don't know, atmosphere to it or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, it was surprising to me. I think by the end of the episode, there's a total of nine victims of the actual attacking beast that is called you know, the Shadow Hunter. Not within the episode, but you know, outside of the episode. And that's shocking. It isn't that Red Panda always saves everybody, um, but they usually don't go into it as much as they could. And you know, where the circumstances is a little different, where the supervillain, you know, he would be able to pull out a more dramatic you know, desperate victory that ends up saving, you know, hundreds of people in an auditorium, for example, and, you know, then proceeding to defeat the bad guy. And in here, we have this tragic thing where there's this man turned into a monster or a animal, really, and you don't get that grand superhero versus supervillain sort of thing going on. Um, and you get all these people who are left dead in the wake of it. And it's kind of an interesting taken and it's an interesting like set of losses to give to red panda and flying squirrel and i don't know it's just it's different from your run-of-the-mill episode or even your run-of-the-mill superhero story which is good so i'll stop beating around the bush i called this episode uh essence of smilodon because <laughs> it turns out that there is a saber-toothed tiger that has been brought back from extinction in the form of a man. Think of it as uh, Dr. Connors injecting himself with lizard DNA to grow back his arm. And instead it's uh, 
the mad doctor, Stephen, Stevens, Stephen, I don't know, Dr. Stephen, uh, injects somebody else with Smilodon or Sabertooth Tiger DNA and forces a transformation on that guy. Uh, as the Shadow Hunter, as the, the Sabertooth Tiger terrorizing Toronto, uh, <laughs> the intelligence is retained of the lab assistant, Derry, who's the one, you know, infected with this thing and who becomes this creature at night. And he is smart enough to use his animal um, capabilities as directed by a human. So he has his full human intellect, despite the fact that he wants to uh, hunt, attack, and murder, and I guess eat women, who um, <laughs> attractive women. Um, and it's his, uh, you know, his animal urges. So the, the more attractive they are, uh, physically to the man dairy, the more they appeal to the, you know, saber tooth with manimal intelligence to attack and kill, uh, for whatever reason. And that's kind of interesting. Um, it was really neat the way that this fusion of the power of an animal with the intellect of a person was able to really outdo and, uh, corner kit and put her in a bad position which it totally makes sense if you had all the ability of an animal but the mind of a person i, I would imagine that would be quite deadly okay um let's see oh uh there was something really cool in the episode which is you could tell if you were with flying squirrel or red panda when they were using the radio rings based on the sound design. It was layered in such a way, there was a distortion in such a way that you could hear, you know, Flying Squirrel's voice very clearly, and then you would hear the radio effect on Red Panda's voice in that scene. And when you switched over uh, and you were with Red Panda, you could hear Kit's voice distorted over the radio ring, and that was really clever, and it added a lot to the episode. Which later on at the end, near the climax, they are outside, uh, you know, in the middle of the night in a park, and it's dark, and there are a bunch of crickets going off, uh, you know, chirping and making their noises in the night, and that also added to the ambiance. It made it feel like they were outside, and I thought that was a really good uh, audio design aspect of it as well. I did think it was strange. Well, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't planned on talking about the, the nature of this transformation thing but basically there was this abandoned healing technology serum drug type thing that was meant to help humans regenerate but it was stopped by light uh so if you've ever seen dark man just think about that <laughs> um it was stopped by light and uh dr aster steven uh combined that with Sabertooth Tiger DNA and tried it on, I think, animals probably, but eventually he decided he had to try it on dairy because the regenerative formula was tailored to human physiology and that's what it would work with. So he got the bright idea that if he injected a human with the stuff, it would turn them into a Sabertooth Tiger. And I don't know if the uh, if the transformation was supposed to be permanent at some point or not. Like if over the course of a year or a month or whatever, he would become the saber to tiger 100% of the time and have this, you know, intellect of a man, um, but the body of an animal. I don't know if that's how it was intended to work or what, but uh, it was 
really interesting that because of the way that it interacted negatively with the light, that that meant that he could only transform when darkness came, when darkness fell, when it was nighttime. And therefore, we learned that during the days, Derry was trying to figure out how to reverse his transformation uh, so he could stop turning into the hunter, the killer, at night. And he was unsuccessful. But then at the end, the Red Panda basically lures him into a trap using Flying Squirrel as bait and has all these lights, these bright bright lights turned on and the creature stops being a saber-toothed tiger and it turns back into dairy, but somehow that ends up killing him. And I don't quite understand how the, the photons reacting uh, at night when he was fully transformed ended up causing his death versus during the day. It just causes his transformation to cease and for him to revert back to a normal human. That doesn't really make sense. I don't think there was an attempt to explain that. We got new gadgets this episode. Uh, I talked about the radio rings already, but this is apparently the debut of them, episode nine. So that's a pretty cool idea. They might have been in a book before this, but this feels, the way it's talked about here, it definitely feels like it's the first time that he introduces them to Kit. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the actual debut of the radio of the radio rings. And I, I think that's really cool. So you'll learn more later as time goes on, and maybe it's in the books specifically, but you press a jewel or a ring because uh, there's like concentric circles on the, on the radio ring, uh, kind of like the logo of red Panda or Dakota ring theater. Uh, so you push one of those and it activates a beacon or it activates the ability to talk or whatever, which is pretty cool. Let's see. Oh, so, uh, about the villains. So technically dairy was a villain because he turned into the saber tooth tiger and then was killing women all over the city. Um, but you know, really Dr. Astor Steven is the villain cause he forced this transformation upon somebody and, uh, I guess he got eaten for his trouble. So, um, they end up finding the remains of his body in a trunk in the lab somewhere, which is, uh, you know, he, he got his comeuppance, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so I really like this episode. I don't have more to say about it, so I'm going to go ahead and stop there and Yes, you hear that meowing? I think I've got my own saber tooth tiger to take care of. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, I thank you for your time and attention. I hope that you are well. And until next time, this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.